Welcome back. What an amazing testimony. Thank you again, Brother John, for sharing that with all of us. And yes, you have not been, you're not, you're, you're not on some kind of third, third universe here. This is true. Joining me today for the first time on Sunday morning is one and only Bishop Wright, the Bishop of Antioch. First time you've been on Sunday morning since we've been doing this. He has been on Tuesday Talks, but um, we're having here... And right at home. And right at home. He has been on... So he's done both. So we've now hit the trifecta. So uh, first of all, Bishop, thank you for being here today. I know it was a very long week for you and a lot of teaching, but I appreciate you coming on today and being with us today uh, for the very first time. And... um, one of the reasons, as in prayer, I, be, I the Lord led me to have you come on, although you're free to come on at any time. Uh, make sure I put that in there. Yeah, <laughs> feel, feel free to come on any time. But the reason I wanted you to come on today uh, is because of what we just discussed with uh, Brother uh, John Lombardo and um, the depth of his testimony. I know you have spent a large portion of your ministry literally traveling all over the world um, teaching and ministering to people just like John and his situation, watching God transform them because first and foremost, God transformed you in a very similar way that he did John. And his story reminded me of the passage in the Gospels where the ten lepers come to Jesus and Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest and you'll be healed. And so all ten of them go to the priest and they're healed. But the story says that one comes back and falls down and worships Jesus. And Jesus asks him, where are the other nine? And he kind of gives this answer. And said, Jesus said, because you've come back to me, you are now whole. And so they went and got healed, and now they're whole. And when I heard John's testimony, it really brought that back. So uh, can you tell us the difference and the difference of being healed and whole because obviously we saw what God did in John's life. Not only did he heal him of all the stuff, but he was truly testifying of being whole And in that standpoint. And uh, that the story of the ten lepers is a, uh, is a powerful story, and, and it really does cover uh, the difference. But there's another story that is dramatically different. And that is Lazarus being raised from the dead. Uh, I'm not without knowing the whole story. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. Jesus, uh, in his journeys, often stopped by uh, the house. Uh, it was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were three of the siblings. Without getting into more of it, there was another sibling, and we also have an idea who the father of the house was which is for another day. But um, Martha sent Jesus a message. Your friend is sick. Your friend Lazarus is sick. And Jesus delayed going because uh, he said, this is for the glory of God. Well, he waited long enough for Lazarus to die. Well, he didn't just wait that long. The, by, the, by the time he got to Lazarus' house, he had been dead three plus days. And uh, so when he raised him from the dead, uh, he resurrected him from dead to
to life, but he was still wrapped in the grave clothes. And uh, the Hebrews learned from the Egyptians. They didn't do the embalming that Egyptians did, but they would wrap the entire body in linen. So you're, that body's literally wrapped up. And he so Lazarus was laying there, all wrapped up in all this, the grave clothes, and Jesus resurrected him to the dead. And you, you, my mind goes, well, how did he get from laying down to standing up hmm. in all being totally bound? But of course, if Jesus could bring him back from the dead, he could stand him up. Uh, but when he came, uh, I assume hopping, because he's whatever. When uh, when he came to the door of the cave, Jesus turned to the disciples and said to them, Loose him and let him go free. So being resurrected from the dead is like us being resurrected from being dead in the trespasses at, at, uh, in uh, trespasses of our sins. And uh, so we're resurrected. That's salvation. Hmm. But he was bound, even though he's now alive, he was dead, now he's alive, he was still bound with all the evidences of the fact that he would, that he had died. Hmm. And Jesus did not speak and cause all the grave clothes to fall off, off of him. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, you loose him and set him free. And going back to the to the leper the leper was cleansed physically uh, from uh, the leprosy which was a fi fatal disease but when Jesus made him whole he made him whole in here leprosy is external but the shame of leprosy is internal Jesus, because a person who has leprosy because leprosy is so highly uh, contagious that whenever a person was diagnosed with leprosy, they were immediately forbidden to go home. They couldn't go back to their job. They had to be. They were uh, exiled to the leper colony because that's the only people you could associate with. With a, was other people with leprosy because you couldn't get it from them. They couldn't get it from you. They had it already. You had it already. And so, uh, and plus, when the, the scripture says, if you're out in public and you see a leper coming, or if that leper is out away from the leper colony and he is on the road and he sees someone else coming, he was required by law to yell out a warning unclean, unclean, unclean. So leprosy cost him his family. Leprosy cost him his job. Leprosy cost him all of his friends. He couldn't go home to any of that. But then also there was that that shame and reproach. And it was not an unusual thing when someone is just walking along with whomever they're walking with and they hear that cry unclean, they react with horror, what are you doing out? What are you doing out here? Why are you jeopardizing every? Go, go back to where you came from. You know, it's funny when you're saying that, and and uh, it's kind of the image 
obviously modern day, we have we don't really have leprosy in a modern sense but when you talk about the fact he lost his job his family it's very much almost like equivalent to our modern day addiction or something of that nature that costs you your family friends relationships and even though we don't walk around going addict 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 there are certain tail signs that we carry that cause people to react to us some even end up homeless some end up in destitute they lose everything because it's very similar to that and not that's the only parallel but when you're describing that in a modern sense today i mean there's people literally that have lost everything everything chasing a pill chasing a bottle chasing a joint chasing chasing the next fix chasing uh whether it's uh uh, perversion or whether it's a, a gamble there's it's littered with this today in our world and when you were saying that, and I got this image of my mind of sort of that same reality happening in our world today. Absolutely. And that is, that's why I was raised in the church, but they never taught any of this. And as you've already alluded, and I've testified many times that I was molested when I was five by a boy who was at least 10. I don't know how much older he was. And uh, my mother caught him doing this to me. Uh, he said we were playing a game. I, even though I remember being uncomfortable with it, you know, five-year-old boys don't challenge 10 or 10-year-old boys because he was my playmate. Uh, his backyard met my backyard. He was the only person, the only person other than my parents that I had, that I was able to play with. My brother was a year and a half, two, two and a half, whatever he was at the time, and he didn't go outside and play with me. So, you know, no matter how uncomfortable I was, I didn't challenge him because I was afraid of being rejected. And so my mother caught him doing this to me, and I, uh, she was very uh, emotionally distraught and trying in that emotional state, trying to explain to me why I shouldn't be doing this, uh, I didn't hear that what I was doing was bad. I heard I was bad, and uh, it so affected me. I never discussed what happened to me with another human being for thirty-three years. I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what it was. So outside of your mother, no one. I don't think I've ever asked you this question. In case you're not, in case you don't know this, he is also my father. So I, I've known him for 40 years now outside of, so outside of your mother no one knew this my, she told she my told dad. dad well this is what was really probably did as much damage to me again they were trying to do what they thought was right but it was standard procedure if uh, i didn't obey my mother then i will tell your father when he gets home and so he would come home, she'd tell him what I did or didn't do, and then he would discipline me. And this was the standard procedure. And so when she was so distraught and required me to come in the house, and I'm sitting there in terror waiting for him to get home because if, if they follow the normal pattern uh, and I got chastised, for for much more minor things, if I compare the way my mother reacted, 
you know, I'm thinking in my own head, I'm about to die. You know, my my dad is if my dad gets as distraught as my mother, well, when he get came home, they immediately went in the bedroom by themselves, and uh, I'm sitting outside uh, in the living room. I can't hear them talking, and uh, they were in there a long time, and I I I'm thinking this is not good. This is not good. Well, when they came out of the bedroom, they never said a word to me ever again. The rest of my life. So your parents died, obviously, a few years back. And I know you've told this story numerous times since the Lord healed you. But in that period of time, they never, ever brought it up again. I tried to bring it up to them, and they were both in big-time denial of it. Uh, and I understand why. I understand. I mean, how would, how would you feel as a parent if you had done something that you were trying to do what was right, but it had a negative impact on your child, and you find out that 33 years after the fact that they've been suffering with it all this year, all this time, mm. and and that's that that is the mm. that's that that's the sad thing. It was it was difficult for them. Plus, uh, without going into details here, I found out when I was getting married, and my mother was trying to protect me from what she thought was a bad decision because my wife, present wife, was so much younger than me at the time. And uh, she got really out there trying to prevent that. And uh, uh, so that was pretty shameful by itself. But, uh, you know, the whole thing of uh, trying to face all that, and during that process, while she was opposing this, I found out some things I didn't know about her uh, that was not her fault, but she had huge amounts of shame and never dealt with it. She wouldn't let me talk about it. She wouldn't let me minister to her. I didn't want revenge, and I've said it many times since then. The ministry that I have and the people that God has used me to touch their lives, if I hadn't have been molested and then delivered all those years later, I would not be able to talk to people about this. But when I talk, they know I know what I'm talking about. But just like John and his testimony, I mean, you, you may not like what he says, but there's one thing you can't deny. The facts are the facts. He was a Christian, and because of what all ever happened to him, he walked away from God and went way away from God. But then God brought him back and has miraculously restored all that. So when he says, God has enabled me to forgive and I've let go of all this and I'm healed inside. I, I, I've said this many times over the years. You can go to heaven blind. You can go to heaven deaf. You can go to heaven lame. You can go to heaven with leprosy. But shame is the root cause of all inconsistent Christian behavior. Shame. Hmm. And more people walk away from God because of shame than ever walk away because of sin. And the reason they do that is because their shame tells them and the adversary tells them through their shame, God doesn't love you. Well, we know that everything, the whole basis of our relationship with God 
and uh, everything he does for us is based on his love for us and our ability to receive that love. And if there are things in me that makes me feel so unworthy and unlovable that I won't let God love me, well, then I can't love him back. Mm. I can't love him back. And so this this is, uh, it's really amazing that you've started this direction with your sharing the testimonies because, and what, what an amazing testimony. Of course, the problem is, uh, <laughs> it's only the old Antiochers that can tell people what it was like to be under a pastor who had shame, uh, and then experience, <laughs> and then experience the, uh, the transition, the transition. Nothing in the comment box now. No, 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 no. I know we got some old, some old ones. No commenting on that. <laughs> I, I, it's true. But you know, you said something just with that kind of uh, transparency moment. And I think something John mentioned, you mentioned, and you said about your mother. And I've heard you make the statement numerous times. And unfortunately, I've experienced it in my own life. You said something about shame that is sort of the, 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 the power of shame. And that is shame begets shame. Yes, and it's almost impossible to have shame in an, in a bubble, in an isolation. You can't encapsulate shame because it literally reeks into every piece of your life in relationships. And and if you're a parent today, can I tell you, there's a part of you that probably feels hopeless right now, thinking, oh, what have I done to my children because of my shame? But can I tell you, you have a God who is able to not only heal you and restore you, but can restore and heal the damage of that's been caused. So before you decide... Oh, it's too hard. I've done too much. But I think that proves the further urgency of this need. Because not only is it us that's at need, but it's all the connections. And John talked about the fact that his shame ended up bleeding in the way he treated people and he became hated people. And you talked about in, in your walk and then your mother with, with that. And I know I've done things to my own children and my wife. And I mean, there's things that I've carried. My shame is carried and I think that's sort of the, the the sobering aspect of this as well. And uh, in no way are we saying this to, to you feel like there's no hope. What we're trying to tell you is, is that there is hope. There is hope. <laughs> and here's the reality of it because if God can do this for John, if it does it for Bishop Wright, and I mean, for you. And for me, there's no, there's no, we, we don't have any kind of special access to God that's not available to anybody that desires to be healed. Well, here's, you, you said it's almost impossible. To have shame without it bleeding into all areas of your life, that's not true. It, it is totally <laughs> impossible. Because shame colors everything. the way I see and react to everything. everything. There's no way for me to tell you that's not the case because even if I tell you that's not the case, you can't see it enough to believe it. That's that's the problem. And it is. And, 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 and the point you made, which is a very painful point, when I, when, when I watch my sons, even though they're nine years apart, I watched it with Dave and I watched it with you, but because you were born before I was healed, when I, when I see uh, my sons never having had the source of shame that I had displaying uh, the characteristics of shame, then I'm left with only one conclusion. There's only one way you could have gotten that. And I transferred it. That's the problem with any time I, I have a grudge. 
You cannot have a grudge against anyone without transferring that bitterness to somebody else. You can't do it. It is an impossibility to have unforgiveness without passing that unforgiveness along. But here's the problem. We pass it along one or two ways or sometimes both ways. One of the ways we pass it along is the way we treat people. The other way we pass it along is our reaction to what we perceive as the way people are treating us. And and because shame colors everything, my perception of everything is affected by my shame. I my dad was a photographer in the Navy for thirty years, and so I got involved, and I, I got involved when there was no digital cards and it was all film, and so. Uh, you know, now you can you can digitally tweak uh, photos and get them to be really rich and look and whatever. But with original photographer, you had to use lenses. I mean, filters. And uh, one of my favorite filters always been the uh, uh, polarizing filter because it cuts out certain light. So you can take a picture uh, with a polarizing filter. Uh, of a uh, uh, a hazy day, but I can turn that filters a, a certain way, and it cuts all that haze. And so, what you see in the picture is not what your eye saw. It's not the same thing. Well, shame is just like that. Shame is between me. I, I'm the camera and the lens, and that that filter is shame. And it's between me and everything out there, everything that people do uh, to me or don't do to me, everything that uh, everything that I'm trying to say to, to something else, somebody else, the way I treat people, all of my attitudes, all of my words pass through the filter of shame to other people. So unlike a filter on a camera lens, which is only working one way, shame works both ways, both ways. It it. It gives me a false perception of everything anyone has said to me or done to me, and it gives me also uh, it, it it alters everything I intended to do or say. It comes out. I I I, I real I knew there was something wrong with me. I knew there was. I didn't know what was wrong. I prayed and prayed and prayed, but I knew there were times that in my and I've, I've always preached with conviction and urgency. And, and I believe that is the will of God for men of God to preach and women of God to, to preach with, with, with urgency and conviction. But there were times I'd be preaching along and all of a sudden something would turn. And I wasn't preaching with, uh, uh, with, with uh, urgency and conviction. Now I was preaching with anger and I had an edge. And after I got healed, I realized what it was. Because I am sensitive to the Spirit and always have been, by the grace of God, I'm ministering along, and then somebody is negatively reacting in their spirit to what I'm saying. Well, I never took that they were reacting negatively to God. I took they were reacting negatively to me. Well, the disadvantage they had was I had the microphone. (laughs) And so you're going to reject me. You're going to you're going to pay for rejecting me. And 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 you know, I had I have repented for that many times and asked God to forgive me. And and He came back to me. He's 
until I finally had, he told me to stop asking because he'd already done it. But uh, he told me to believe this, that I was forgiven. And uh, I pray for all those folks I've heard, uh, whatever, whatever. But he said to me, did you do that on purpose? Well, no, I never did it on purpose. I've never knowingly, purposely hurt anybody's feelings on purpose in my entire life. Because I didn't see myself as trying to hurt them. I was defending me. Defensiveness from here, in here, what it what I consider defensive doesn't it passes through this filter and it's not seen that way. Here's here's the thing that and I, I've dealt with your mother on this for years. You know, her mom and dad were uh, home missionaries and they didn't have a lot and uh, my wife lived uh, your mother lived in mobile homes all her life and uh, if you didn't know that about her you'd never pick it up because she's beautiful she's very intelligent she's classy and uh, uh, very capable but the problem was years ago she dealt with people and she was this little poor Pentecostal girl in here. And she interpreted everything people did, uh, especially if they were not kind to her, as they were attacking this poor... I, I remember this one day. There was this particular situation. It was a Sunday morning. This was years ago. And uh, there was a, a, a lady, uh, a sister. My wife was in a hurry and she uh, must have walked past her, but this lady stopped her and chewed her out for ignoring her. And uh, your mother practically ran from the auditorium down that long hallway into my office at the time. And she said, you won't believe what so-and-so has done to me. And, and she was just in tears. And uh, as a husband, <clears throat> I wanted to go have <laughs> have my say but the Holy Ghost checked me immediately and I uh, I, I said sit down here let's, let's, let's pray so we prayed and then I began to talk to her I said you know let's see this whole thing from God's perspective here you are I know where you came from it, you know it's never made any issue to me. I don't look at you like that. I don't look at that as negative. You're, you're not only a very capable and classy person, but you're, you're, you're also humble. You don't... I know you. I know how much you care about people and whatever. But uh, most people only see the person you see. You let them see. And you, you're very loved by this whole congregation. And your husband is constantly talking about how much he loves you and how beautiful you are, and and all and and and, and you 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 all of that's happening, and then you're also very capable and very anointed, and uh, you have all of that. That's what you let people see. That is your uh, defense. Mm. That's your wall of defense, and. That, that woman today, she didn't badmouth that little poor Pentecostal kid raised in mobile homes. 
that woman out of her, because we both know her situation and it's very sad she has nothing that you have she reacted to you you, 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 the intelligent one that the whole church loves. That you've got a husband that worships the ground you walk on. Uh, you've got all, you, 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 you've got all this responsibility. You've got all, and you're good at all of it. Everybody knows you're good at it. She reacted to that, but you don't see what you're showing everybody else. You're not showing anybody this person. And uh, and I basically what I was talking to her about. Your shame is a filter. And not only is it filtering everything anybody does or says coming through that to you, but you're taking what's on the other side, on the inside of that filter, this little, little, poor little Pentecostal preacher's kid that never had anything, quote unquote, and you, you now interpret everything anybody does towards you from this, this situation. And the problem is this. You said it already. Shame begets shame. And shame is many, many, it, it is always involved with two things. Uh, Paul talked about it. He said, God's not giving you the spirit of fear. That Greek word for fear there is not the one normally for fear in the Bible. This is the only time that word is in the Greek New Testament. And it's the word timidity. And Paul said it is a spirit, a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, or a spirit of intimidation. Mm. And the Lord showed me that that has two parts to it. Most people will say, well, I'm not intimidated. No, but are you afraid of failure? And are you afraid of the rejection that you perceive will come from the failure? So if it's a spirit of fear of intimidation then it's also a spirit of fear of failure and a spirit of fear of rejection. Mm. And people that have shame, that are living in denial of shame, they, they know that they're afraid of failing. And they know they're afraid of being rejected. And so they won't call it shame, but by not calling it shame and going to the Scripture and seeing how to deal with it, they 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 keep themselves imprisoned by shame, mm. but they do acknowledge whether they will acknowledge it publicly or not. They do acknowledge that they fear failure and fear rejection. Mm. Well, if I have shame and I'm afraid of failure and afraid of rejection, then I, yet I've said this before: two people can be standing across the room talking in low tones, and shame says. They're talking about me. Shame says they're talking about me. So true. And 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 you know and uh, and of course every truly successful person in this life got to the place they weren't afraid of failing. How many times did Edison fail to do the light bulb? He didn't quit because he failed. He knew he could do it. He knew whatever. That's what God wants to do to us because. He, he wants to let me see me. And part of letting me see me is letting me fail at things. Because he said, without me, you can do nothing. So as I'm learning and growing in God, 
It is um, incumbent upon God when I'm trying to do it myself. It's incumbent upon Him. If He loves me, He's going to let me do it by myself, and it's only, it's it's going to happen eventually. I'm going to fail. But if I if I have shame, what He meant for good, mm-hmm. I interpret it as evil. And of course, total implosion. Right. And you go back to the garden, mm-hmm. the first time where shame came from. Adam and Eve. God shows up. Where are you? We're hiding. Why are you hiding? We're afraid. Uh, why are you afraid? Because I'm naked. And God said, Who told you you were naked? And now, medical science acknowledges the, the, the scientific field of psychology acknowledges that shame is a root or shame is a product of inner voices Mm. they just weren't willing to acknowledge the source of those voices and since they won't acknowledge the source of the voices they try to talk you out of believing the voices rather than you being set free from the voices Mm. and so spirit that's why it says it's a spirit of of intimidation because it's a spirit of fear of shame uh, of failure and a spirit of fear of rejection Mm. and that's why again it's 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 way too happens way too often with people shame you see two people talking and or in this particular situation with your mother she walked past a person who's who on the outside looks very successful but on the inside her life was a mess and this lady felt rejected by your mother and so therefore she reacted to that rejection well that lady doesn't know didn't know how your mother felt about herself inside and so this woman's shame begat more shame in your mother well then you know if 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 i had reacted as a natural husband and gone and told this woman off it would have it wouldn't have solved anything because all that would have done was it would have left your mother believing that it was okay for her to react that way without understanding yeah. why. And the cycle just goes... It sh- goes right. Sh- and see, and that was that was part of the problem, okay? Uh, none of us truly see ourselves like other people see us. Okay? I was this kid that was molested. I was this kid that his mother said was broken, damaged. But what people saw was, they saw this guy that uh, had gone to the Naval Academy and 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 you know he had confidence in God and confidence in the Word of God and all that. There were people that actually were sure that I was cocky, and I'm going cocky. How can somebody be cocky? Who hates themselves? And I've said this many times, and that's another symptom of shame. On my good, as a Christian, as a husband and pastor, on my good days, I didn't like myself. On my bad days, I hated myself. Now here I am, I'm trying to love God, and I want God to love me, but He can't love me past me hating myself when I failed. Anytime I didn't do something perfect, anything that I didn't do perfect, I hated myself for it. And the adversary, of course, would beat me up. That's why uh, 
my life was one of extreme highs and extreme lows. So and any it, perceived failure or any perceived rejection, no matter how small it is, would be like a new log yeah. to the fire absolutely. that would create this fresh heat yeah. of shame yeah. exploding in you. And I think to me, I can relate to that. I know a lot of you, we, you can label it anxiety, you can label yeah. it however you want, and I'm not diminishing any of those things that we deal with or trying to say... Symptoms. They are literally... You can label it whatever you want. Well, I'm just... I'm a, I'm a fearful person, or I'm just... I, I, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of social anxiety, things of that way. Bottom line, when you pull some layers back, at the core of it, there's some spiritual issues that can only be resolved in a spiritual manner, and you can't talk your way out of it, and i got to be honest with you, and I say this not to... There are legitimate cases out there, and so please take this within context. But you can't even medicate yourself out of it. Only thing that can happen is through the power of God to set you free, because if that's what happens, it's a cycle that you repeat over and over again. And I don't know if it actually gets better. To me, it gets worse or more ingrained. And then the other part is you lose who you are, and you don't even know who you are anymore. You You are the identity that shame has told you you are. You become that person. If you feel like you're unloved, you become someone that is unloved. You feel like you're 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 a failure, you become a failure. These things you you take on the persona of what you feel like and it almost gets to the point where you you're you're hopeless, you're trapped, and then you've said you, you we say things like, Well, this is my cross to bear, or this is just my lot in life to carry. This is the way I you know, my parents are like this, well therefore I'm like this, and we start to justify because we don't have hope. Because the reason why I have hope is because we haven't, A, number one, identified that this is a spiritual source that has to be dealt in a spiritual way. Yes, there are natural things that cause it. I'm not diminishing what was done to you. No more than Bishop Wright diminished the fact he was molested or John, the fact that his dad beat him or the, the, the boy across the street raped him. We're not diminishing the physical or emotional or circumstantial Things, whether it's my mom growing up very poor, these things that bring about shame, but they cannot be resolved no matter how successful what you do because like you said, we watch it all the time. You see someone who feels one way and sort of protect themselves, they they project something completely, totally, totally different. different. Yep. And the moment you put a chink in that armor, you're talking about all the bells and whistles and alarms going off inside of them. So let's let's... Let's do this. We've identified it. We talked about the symptoms. A lot of you today, through either John's testimony or what Bishop Wright has said, you've gone, oh boy, oh, oh wow. You've had the the revelation of God speak to your life, and now you're realizing, okay, now I know why I feel this way, or now I know why this is the case. Some of you may know the source. It may be a five-year-old memory. It may be an eight-year-old memory as John. It may be a series of memory. Or, I've often said, you don't have to find the acorn to cut down the oak. Sometimes you don't have to find the acorn that started the oak to identify the fact, I've got an oak tree in my life that needs to be dealt with. God's not asking some of you, like, I don't know what caused this. Well, God's not asking you to go dig through the layers of wood and go, okay, there's the acorn right there. You don't need the acorn to tear down the oak. You do need the roots. You need the roots. So the question I have, Bishop, as we as we come to an end here, is we've identified it. God's spoken. He shared it. You've given your personal testimony, your personal examples. And I'll talk about a lot of the symptoms. And my goodness, we could go hours on symptoms of shame. 
So I guess my question is, for those that are watching, now what? Okay, you've told me, I've got this, God showed it to me, now what do I do? Do I just manage it? Do I just, how can I experience what John experienced, what you've experienced? How can I do that? John's testimony was full of what to do. And what did he do? He couldn't forgive himself till he forgave till he forgave others. Mm. It all comes down to forgiveness. If I feel rejected by God, if I feel rejected by man, if I reject myself, and I know it sounds weird to people, but you know to forgive yourself. But shame is a self is a grudge I have against myself because. Uh, Kids who are a part of uh, uh, of uh, uh, broken homes. It is a proven mm. medical, psychological fact that kids blame, blame themselves for those those marriages breaking up, and 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 so because of that, uh, you know this this is the this is where the lie this is the lie this is the lie. Uh, you know, if you'd have been a better kid, your mom and dad would have stayed together, but. Since you don't have what everybody else had, a mom and dad together, and of course that's the lie, isn't it? But look at what everybody else has got. You're not normal, and it, it, your life wasn't normal because you deserved it. Something was wrong with you. So it's all a grudge, and it it comes right down to this. And people, and, and I've talked this to people who just rejected it because they didn't want to forgive. But John's testimony, <laughs> far more than mine and yours, demonstrates the absolute uh, 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 terror and tragedy of allowing anything anybody has done to cause offense in us. Mm. Because if if I if I let anybody offend me, that's why the Bible says. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Why? Why does God want to protect us? Well, what they're doing and saying is not right. Yeah, yeah. But this is what I end up saying to your mother. This lady has a problem. We know what the problem is. You now have a choice. She has treated you in defensiveness in response to the way she perceived you treated her. Now, you've got a choice. You, you're either going to love her, but let her keep her problem, or you're going to let her give you her problem. And now you'll have whatever problems you've got now, plus her problems too. Because whenever I get offended with anyone, whatever they did to offend me, they did it to me because of their own problems. And it may be from their perspective, it may be they're only reacting defensively to whatever they perceived I've done. But I, they, they are now trying to give me their problems. When I get offended, I don't have any defense. Now I got my problems mm-hmm. and theirs. But when I refuse to get offended, those those problems stay external to me. They don't become internal. So it comes back to forgiveness. It all comes back. That's why Paul said, Acts twenty four sixteen. Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and man. Uh, And so 
And he didn't mean males. He meant humanity toward God and humanity. Well, I know what to do biblically if I have a grudge with you. I have to forgive you. Well, some don't agree that I can have a grudge against God. Well, that's ludicrous because how many people are out there that blame God for every bad thing that happened to them? Blame is a grudge. And and God told John the Baptist, Jesus told John the Baptist, don't be offended with me because of I've put he was in prison at the yep. time. Don't yep. be offended. So even Jesus acknowledged that you could be offended with him because he was God robed in flesh. That's exactly right. So if if I have to forgive uh, humans that offended me, and I have to forgive God that offended me, then how do I get my own self-blame? Get rid of it. How do I get rid of this grudge I have against myself? I have to forgive me by the same blood, by the same grace. And uh, wow. I, I was prayed for in February of 84. And while God delivered me, I didn't fully understand what happened. It was nine years later when God gave me the revelation of shame and he just put all the scriptures together in just a two-hour session. And uh, in, in, in understanding that, that's when, I, that's when uh, you know, and I began to minister to other people uh, for their, uh, their shame. But I didn't complete mine. I got delivered to some degree I got hold whole but there were still some things because here's the problem there's past tense shame or shame from my past I did I got delivered that in February of 84 but what about the things I still wasn't doing perfect present tense shame has to be dealt with just like past tense shame but I wasn't doing that and I and 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 I, I was I had some things going on and people were just beating me up really bad. They were saying all kind of stuff and and it felt like the church was about to fall apart. And I'll never forget it. It was October of nineteen ninety three. I got the revelation of shame on February the sixteenth, actually fifteenth and sixteenth of of that year. But I pray for everybody else. I was so, that fall, I was so afraid. The devil was saying, you know, the thing's going to blow up and you're the problem and 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 all of this. And I'm going, oh God, what am I going to do? And uh, I'll never forget it. That morning, I drove you to school. And instead of going home and uh, studying at home, I dropped you off, parked my car, and went into the uh, the prayer room. And uh, I, I was in there by myself, and uh, I had told other people what they should pray. That they should pray, Lord, by your help and grace, I forgive and release myself for, fill in the blank. Well, I hadn't done that. And uh, I walked in that prayer room that day, and I was desperate. My mind was so clouded. I didn't even know how clouded it was till after it was no longer clouded. My mind was clouded and confused. I was full of fear. I, I, it, the adversary was telling me in my head I had no defense for it, that you're the problem and you're blowing this whole thing up and whatever. And uh, I just started. For about 
30 minutes, even though I didn't feel anything. I, every memory that came. Father, by your help and grace, I forgive and release myself for it. And I would name that thing. And as soon as I would say that, that memory would leave my mind and another one would replace it. And it was like a machine gun. And he just, because I was just responding, he was just bringing stuff from present and past that, that I thought I'd dealt with, but I had primarily dealt with the root. But there were still some branches alive. So I'm sitting there and I'm talking about all this stuff. And, and I'm just doing this. Well, I noticed about a half hour into that, even though I hadn't felt the thing and I was so desperate, I wasn't judging whether or not this was working by how I was feeling. I was obeying what I knew had worked for others that God gave me to tell them. About a half hour into it, all of a sudden, I began to feel some witness of the Holy Ghost. And now I'm really, really encouraged and motivated. So I'm doing this. It was probably about another 20, 15, 20 minutes. All of a sudden I went, who turned the lights on in this room? And I thought to myself, I turned the lights on when I came in the room. Well, why does it seem like the room has gotten so bright? Well, the reason it did was because all of that cloud Filter. was gone. It was all gone. And when that cloud left and my mind and spirit was clear, the Lord, without me even asking, mm. I hadn't even prayed about the church mm. and what was going on. The Lord said, do this, do this, do this, do this, and do this. Well, this was on a Tuesday. Thursday night at church, I got up and said, I didn't say why. I said, the Lord said, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and this. Within two weeks, all that turmoil was gone and everything the adversary said was going to happen didn't happen. The whole thing turned around and we had major revival. But God used all of that to bring me to the end of me. Because I, here I since February of 84, I've been ministering to people myself all these years. But hadn't fully received all of it myself. Mm. Praise God. Well, John made the statement. It's amazing. You're 1993. John was 2020. But was amazing about that. If you were, if you got a chance to watch the earlier testimony, if you just jumped on and you missed it, I would encourage you, encourage you highly to go back and watch it. Last weekend, this and week. both of them, part one and two. But it's amazing. You said it, and John said it, and and there was no collaboration on this at all. But your experiences were almost identical. Where you started with speaking forgiveness and. John made a statement. I started going down the list, and I just started mentioning everything that came to me, everything that my father did, everything that happened to me, everything that Miss yep. said to the boy across the street, and there was others in John's testimony that uh, we didn't have time to go through. But there's a whole list of people, and every time he said it was like a one little piece at a time was dealt with. Yep. And ultimately, the Bible says in Corinthians, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Yep. If you believe God is a healer. Do you, if you believe anything that's been said today and you go in something and you go, I want that for myself, then ultimately it comes down to one simple thing. Simply attaching a mental uh, agreement to this is not good enough. To mentally agree, go, you know what, okay, I admit I've got that going on. I admit that symptom's me. Or I admit yeah. I'm... That's also, we've identified it. it. But a lot anything. of you have already... Maybe this has brought further clarity, but 
but shame doesn't really creep up on you. You, you, it's been there. You may have never labeled it shame up to this point, but it's been there. So we may have labeled it today, or God may have labeled today shame. But it starts with it's got to start with forgiveness, and forgiveness is something that has to be spoken. And Bishop Wright said it, and John said it in his own way. And I'm saying again, it's not about a feeling. The feeling and the confirmation will come, but it's got to first start because faith is not a feeling. Faith is not emotional. We're not, I'm not going to get you pumped up. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Yes, 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 yes. It's got to be a decision in your mind and through your faith to say, Lord, and you can pray this, and we're going to pray this in just a moment when we close. Say, Lord, by your help and grace. We're talking about things that you held for 40 years, 30 years, John, 50, 51 years. Others, you may be out there longer than that. But Lord, by your help and grace. If you could forgive, you may have already done it. But you're saying, Lord, I acknowledge that I can't do this on my own. So you're, I receive your grace. And by your grace, I forgive. And as those words come out of your mouth, your brain's going to be screaming, this is stupid, this is crazy, don't do it. Yeah. You're letting them off the hook. Yeah. How can you do this? You know what they did? If you forgive them, they're never going to be punished. If you forgive them, they're going to go along with their life. And you're the one that's going to end up... All those voices are going to be screaming to get you to not speak those words. And the first time you say it, you may stutter. It might come out. It may come out jumbled. It may not come out. But speak it. Keep speaking it. Literally, if you keep speaking it, the more you speak it, the more faith will be out coming out of you. And, and you may this may be the first time you've ever done this. But I guarantee, you, if you begin to speak it. God will bear witness because he is no respect of persons. He did it for Bishop, myself, John. There's a whole list of other people we could march up here today and show you the same testimony verbatim. He can do it for you. I got a call Monday. An individual that I've known almost my entire life from as long as I can remember. This individual called my wife and I Monday. And she was so broken on the phone she could barely talk she was just weeping and she had watched Sunday morning and heard John's testimony and she called and she there were some things that we had done we didn't even know my wife and I didn't even realize what we had done but this amazing person had the 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 brave the 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 uh, 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 the courage, courage that's a word courage and was so desperately free, she called us and she was weeping and she said, I want to for, I, I forgive you. Would you forgive me? And we talked for, I don't know, it was about 45 minutes. Tears. I was crying. They were crying. My wife was crying. We were all crying. We were praying. And the, what God did in their life in that moment, they called and said, I want you to know I forgive you. And we said, you know, forgive us. We didn't even know. And we forgave and we cried and we prayed. And man, you talk about a miracle that happened on the Monday right after God. And now the ball's in your court. God's identified it. God showed it to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to turn it off, go on your day, and just try to see, well, you can continue to keep managing this. If you haven't managed it up to this point, you're not going to, there's no special sauce to manage it. You are, you're, you're a, you're a, a puppet on a string. You're a marionette. You're just going to be continue to be controlled by your your shame and your emotions and the voices of accusation. But today, in Jesus' name, you can experience freedom and healing you that can start right now. So here's what we're going to do at the end. I know we've gone a little longer today, but God has spoken so strongly, and I believe there are there are 
There are futures hanging in the balance. You came here. If you stuck out this long, it's because you know God's talking to you. And you know what's amazing? And I'm going to say something else that, that God spoke in my spirit. Bishop Wright said he was prayed for in 84 but didn't get full release until 93. There's some of you that have been around a long time. You've heard this before. I've heard shame. I already know all this. You could talk, you could talk about shame just like we do because you know all the right words and our jargon. You've been prayed for, but you haven't been set free. I'm talking about some of you that have heard this back since... 93, 96. You've been to the shame seminars. You've heard, you've done the YouTube stuff. You've done all the stuff. You can spit the verbiage out. But you yourself have not gone all the way. And I believe today that can happen. So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to pray with you just now. And I want to begin with the Lord's grace. And ask Him for His grace. Say, Lord, I receive Your grace to be able to forgive. And as you begin to speak those words, starting forgiving God, Others, yourself, whatever. You might, some of you may take a while. John took 24 hours. Bishop Wright took a while. It doesn't matter the time. How desperate are you to be healed? How desperate are you to be free? If, you know what? If I said to you right now, if you are dying of stage four cancer and you were literally within a period of time where that cancer was eating you up and you were literally a ticking time bomb to death and I held within you the cure and I said, you know what, I'm not sure how long it's going to take for it to work, but if you start using this, you're going to be healed. You would go, you know what, I don't care. I'll start. What do I need to do? I don't care if it takes me a day, a week, a month, it doesn't matter. I know if I keep this, I'm going to die. If that's the cure, I'm willing to do it. Can I tell you to say, shame and unforgiveness is a spiritual cancer that will destroy you. It may not destroy you all the way in this life, but it will destroy you, destroy you in the life to come. But today, by the grace of God, God is offering you the cure. God is offering you the antidote from the bite and the wound of shame that has latched itself on with its fangs of accusation and the venom of hurt and pain has been released in your blood and God has said, I've got the antidote. But will you take it? Will you take it? If you would take that today and receive it and begin to put it into practice, I believe we'll get testimonies of how God is setting you free in your home, right now, in your car, wherever you are. Maybe you've watched this later on. Someone said, hey, you need to watch this. We'll help you. And you've come back later. You don't even know us. But God knows you. He knows your story. He knows every bit of it. And God's trying to do something for you today because he's not a respecter of persons. The only reason we gave John's testimony or Bishop's testimony is to show that God can still do what he said he did back then. He can do today. But it's not because they're exclusive. God loves you just as much. He did not die extra for them. He died for all the world the same. And you're a part of that. Father, you have spoken into this today. I have felt your power reach into homes into hearts, into lives. You've revealed, you've opened the, you've opened revelation. We, you've got, you've seen, you've shown us our, our hearts. You've shown us things that we're, we're, we're dealing with that now we know the source of. But God, for some of us, we feel overwhelmed. We feel hopeless. We don't even know what to do. We don't know where to go next. But Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your blood is able to set free and heal. Father, right now, I loose your grace to work in our life. 
I loose your grace to work. That grace would come that we could find forgiveness as we give forgiveness and we can give forgiveness that ultimately that forgiveness can lead to us being whole and healed and set free in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, even as we pray right now uh, and those that are joining with us are beginning to pray, I lose faith to be in operation. I bind every spirit of doubt. I bind every spirit of unbelief. I bind every lie of the adversary right now that's trying to keep them from praying and speaking what you're putting in their heart. I rebuke it in Jesus' name and I lose faith to operate in their heart. I lose the manifestation of the power of God into them right now that they would begin to speak, Lord, forgiveness to those that that have hurt them to themselves and to you, Father. And I bind the spirit of shame. I bind the spirit of fear and timidity. I bind the spirit and the voice of accusation that has lied to lies for long enough. And I rebuke you and curse you in the name of Jesus. And I speak to you today. And I say be made whole right Right now, in the name of Jesus, be healed and be whole of every hurt and wound. Every wound that has been brought to you and every wound that you caused. Every bit of shame. In the name of Jesus, every bit of abuse, every bit of addiction, every bit of rejection and hurt. Every bit of it, Father, I speak that the wounds of these hearts be made whole right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You did it for John. You did it for Bishop Wright. And I'm speaking, Lord, that you would confirm your word right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, right now, God is moving. If you would just begin to talk there. I can't do it for you. Bishop Wright can't do it for you. But if you would begin to obey what God's telling you to do, close your eyes right now and just begin to do it. Why do I close my eyes? Don't worry about what's going on around. How desperate are you to be healed right now? How desperate are you to be free? And let's say, God, by your help and grace, I forgive you. By your help and grace, I forgive my father, my mother, my sister, my brother, my neighbor, my my teacher, whoever it was. Father, I forgive by your help and grace. I forgive myself today and start if you if a memory comes speak that memory if a if an instant it comes i forgive him for abusing me for molesting me for raping me for 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 hurting me for rejecting me for whatever it is speak those as they come step by step step by step how long it you might do it for the next 10 minutes it might be the next 30 minutes it might be the next hour it might be a couple hours but i'm telling you if you begin to do this by the end of that you're going to begin to feel the power of God set you free. And when He sets you free, healing and restoration will come into you and it will break the bondage of shame that has had. I don't care if it's been for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. It can happen today. Amen. It may have been something that happened yesterday. Jesus. It can happen today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, receive it right now. God's trying. He's knocking at the door. He's knocking at the door. Would you let him finish the work he started today in love? He's speaking to you today. Would you let him do it? Would you let him do it? Would you let him do it? Don't stop because we're stopping. Don't quit because we're getting off here. We want to provide you an opportunity to continue to seek God because he's right there with you. He was in John's bedroom. John's bedroom. Right where he was on the side of his bed, God met him. He's meeting you right where you are. Would you let him heal you? Would you let him set you free? In Jesus' name, let it happen today. In Jesus' name.